Hi everyone. Today I want to talk about unity and division in the church. Um, this thought comes from a newspaper article in our local newspaper that was talking about a church conference that's been um, having some troubles and it's been really splitting over a social issue, over the issue of what to do about uh, same-sex marriage. And um, though I'm not privileged to any of the details, and so I'm, I don't really want to mention the conference or the churches impacted by it, or even the people. I'm not familiar with them and have no intention of um, making a judgment from a short newspaper article where I know that the journalists make decisions about what to put in there and what not to put in there and how to frame things. Um, I just want to pick up one idea from a quotation and just deal with the idea. If I can just separate the idea from the situation that caused it to be written. And that was the idea um, as you know, the situation about the divisions happening in the church came out. Um, someone was quoted as saying, you know, that they hoped that, be- that everyone would just realized that they have common worship, uh, common mission, common outreach. They do a lot of things in common. And so the, the hope would be that this division that was happening, this, this uh, p- people differ- differentiating themselves on what to do about the subject, uh, wouldn't cause the church to really split in two, which is what's happening. And so this is an issue of unity and disunity. And one of the things I want to say is that it isn't uh, always bad to have disunity. It isn't always bad to have a church split. And that might sound a little crazy, and especially in an age when people are really working towards unity, um, people feel disunited, and, you know, the idea of just, you know, people being able to get along and go for it and stick together is really appealing. And and especially, you know, in the face of things like uh, uh, widespread divorce, where people's lives are really impacted by relationships breaking down, there can be just like a widespread desire for things to stick together and to hold together. And so let me just start as as I'm trying to make the point that it's not always bad for uh, separation to happen. I want to make the point, I want to start off by saying um, there is a unity among Christians, and that unity is in Christ and his spirit. It's not unity for unity's sake. It's not unity for good times. It's not even unity for the sake of missions uh, or worship necessarily. It's unity in something. It's unity in Christ and in the spirit. So I'll read Ephesians 4 here. I want you to listen to this. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so you can kind of hear this awesome call in Ephesians towards unity as the church. He says, you know, use patience, use love, use forbearance, use everything you can to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Don't fight, don't bicker, don't go at each other, don't keep judgments and offenses. Get rid of everything you can in order to hold the unity of the Spirit because the uni- the Spirit has brought us into unity when the, with the one Lord, in one baptism, with one Father. And he goes on and on and on to say, we are united in Jesus, so do everything you can to maintain that unity. So 
you might think, so Rob, where are you getting off saying some kinds of disunity aren't that bad? There is a place for separation, even for a Christian. And I want to take us there just by saying the unity that we long for and need to fight for um, is unity in the Lord. And therefore, when people are calling for unity contrary to the Lord, that is a kind of separation. And so true unity with the Lord can involve separating yourself from a movement that is counter to the Lord. So let's jump over into another letter written by Paul where he talks about um, He's warning the Corinthians that some of the things that they seem willing to embrace are going to separate them from the kingdom of God. And he's warning them. So he says this. This is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So what's he saying there? Well, he's warning them. He's got that that awesome warning where he says, don't be deceived. He's saying, you know, I have apostled for quite a long time now. I've planted a few churches. I've seen a few things. He says, there are things that Christians actually want to be deceived about. And one of the things they want to be deceived about is the, the truth that if your life is characterized by sin, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Of heaven. That is a truth. That's a reality that the Apostle Paul is saying that Christians are in jeopardy of rejecting, of ignoring, of believing a lie about, and it will have devastating consequences. You know, um, you can jump out of an airplane without an, a parachute, and you can be so convinced that you will survive the impact, landing in the prairies, uh, but you're deceived, and there's nothing that can change it. No strength of conviction, no theological argument can change the fact that um, planet Earth rushing towards you at 100 miles an hour is going to devastate your body. And, he, and so Paul says the same thing. There is a reality here. Don't be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom. And uh, and so what he's saying there, he's actually putting a dividing line down the church. He's saying, church, the church of Jesus is washed from these sins. And we grow up into a life where we get freer and freer of the things that we've been washed from. And uh, and we pursue a life of holiness. And I'm not saying everybody has to be perfect. I'm not saying that the church is meant to be rude or exclusive towards people who live like this. But we do need to be very clear about what kinds of lives are faith-filled responses to the gospel of Jesus and what kind of lives are deceived lives that actually have not believed the gospel but are clinging to something else as an idol, some kind of behavior or some kind of religious worship or some kind of anything. Um, There is a dividing line because our unity is in Christ. It's not, our unity isn't just together. And it's not a unity about mission, and it's not a unity about outreach, and it's not a unity in our style of worship or in a tradition. It's a unity in Christ. And so when people, even churchgoers, reject Christ, um, faithful Christians 
can separate from that being faithful to Jesus. They're rejecting the rejection of Christ. They're separating themselves from those who separate from Christ, if you want to look at it this way. Let me paint a different picture, okay? Um, Take an abortion clinic on one hand and take a maternity ward on the other hand. Someone could look at both of these um, operations and say, boy, they have a lot in common. They both have nurses. They both have doctors. They both have implements. They both have tables. They both have crash carts. They both have medicines. They both have pregnant women coming into there. There's a lot in common. And these two operations could be in total unity. They're pretty much doing the same thing. And we shouldn't let the little, little details get in the way. But if you think about it, um, the people on the maternity ward, their whole reason for existing is saying, we are going to do everything to make sure that that baby comes out of our maternity ward alive with mom or with mom and dad. Whereas the abortion clinic is saying, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, Two radically different purposes. All right. And the purpose of the church is to glorify Jesus and is to see people enter the kingdom of God and enter eternal life. And so when a local church deviates or a leadership or a group and, and, and says, we don't actually believe what God says about entering the kingdom or not, we don't actually believe what God says about entering eternal life or not, I think faithful Christians patiently, lovingly, long-sufferingly can separate themselves and say, no, our loyalty is to theology and a manner of life that will lead people to entering the kingdom. And therefore, we have to reject what the Bible says is rejecting our mission. All right, so these are difficult situations and hard times. I have no pleasure in any of the pain or suffering that anybody's going through. But I do think that every one of us needs to regularly say, I am committed to unity with Christ and being united with those who are united with Christ according to the scripture, according to his mission, and according to what God says leads to eternal life and avoiding things that keep people out of the kingdom of God. Be blessed.